Well, good morning, Will. Awesome. I didn't have to do that twice that time. You guys are awake this morning. Well, I have a word for you from the scriptures, from my heart, and just from what God's been doing in my life. Can we turn the lights up just a hair? That way they can see their Bibles. They don't have to squint. There we go. Um, I'm excited to have you guys here with me today, with us today, as we gather together in the name of the Lord and just seek after Him in the Word of God. We're just some, you know, some normal everyday people trying to, trying to navigate our way through this world, right? Sometimes we hit some waves, sometimes we hit some struggles, sometimes it seems like we're in victory lane, and just life is full of, of different circumstances and different situations, isn't it? You know, and then you find yourself in this place or that place, and sometimes we're wondering, God, what are you doing? Where are you at? You know, sometimes we, we feel like we're right there hand in hand with God and we can overcome anything, and these questions circulate. Sometimes we feel like we can hear God very clearly. Other times, you know, we go through seasons where it's like He's not speaking at all, and we can't figure out what in the world happened. Did we do something wrong? Did we, did we step out of God's will? Can, you know, what's, what's up with this? You know, and then we have all the, the other things coming at us in life, whether it be just regular everyday things like paying bills, um, struggles with, with kids, you know, they act crazy sometimes, struggle with, with uh, husbands or wives sometimes, they act crazy, you know, uh, not mine, but yours does, and um, <laughs> So we, we try and figure out life. That's what I'm trying to do, right? Isn't that what you're trying to do? And, and so today, I, I thought, especially with some things that's transpired these last couple of weeks in, in, in our hometown, as of my hometown, Landrum, I know some of you, you drive a little ways to get here, but there's things going on in your, your town too, in your life, and your home, and things you're wading through and battling, and you know, I've had prayer requests and, and people just coming to me and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this, my friend's struggling with this, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this, and so on and so forth, and others coming and saying, you can't believe what happened, and it's victory, and, and you know, I've just been trying to, to thank God for all of the good and the bad, knowing that he's working all things together for the greater good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, that seems kind of like a cliche verse, a little, a little verse that everybody just grabs up and uses all the time, you know, just to dismiss this or dismiss that or deal with this or deal with that. But do we really believe that? You know, that's the real question, especially in light of some of the things that happen. So are you telling me that God is... is actively working all things together for the greater good of those who love him and are called according to his birth? You're telling me that that's actually a reality? Have you really thought about that? I mean, especially in light of some things that happen. Let's take, let's take the Millwood family because this has been so close to my heart. This has been so close because, one, I mean, she's just a precious little child. That's just, that's obvious, okay? Anybody in their right mind can, can look at that and say, wow, how devastating. But two, she goes to the same school that my children go to, okay? Getting a little closer to home. Three, she's, she, was, she was 10 years old. I have a 10-year-old. And those of you who don't know the situation, little Isaac Kate, she was diagnosed with leukemia not a long time ago, uh, went into the hospital for treatments, 
The cancer went into remission. Praise God for that. She came home, got an infection. She didn't make it. She didn't make it. She was a believer. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So she's okay. She's beyond okay. She's fine. But here, you know, I was talking to her daddy yesterday and reading some of his Facebook posts. You know, he's, he's got a gift of writing anyway. I think he, he, that's what he does. And reading some of his Facebook posts, I'm just, I can't even hardly read it. Because I don't even want to imagine what he's going through. I, I spoke with him yesterday. I don't know what to say. I don't know the words to say. You know, God works all things together. I mean, would you say that then? You look, you're looking at this man who is just shattered. Shattered. And he's saved. How does that fit? How does that fit? And yesterday I saw something amazing. Now this is just real life. Okay, I've saw I, I've witnessed this before. They were. We, I went to the funeral yesterday, and and many of you went probably too. And. They, were, they, they, they had a worship session, maybe the most phenomenal funeral I've, I've ever been to. Truly a celebration of her beautiful life, and she was a believer. And I can't remember what song it was. They did several songs that I was familiar with, and I think it was the song, I think it was several songs, but I think the one that I noticed this song was Greater You, Lord. And that song is just powerful anyway. And what a song to be singing at the funeral of your 10-year-old daughter who recently went to be with Jesus. But you know what stood out to me more than anything in that was that Joey brought a little stuffed horse that belonged to his little girl. And he had posted on Facebook that he was bringing a few things just to carry his daughter with, with him and, and her, you know, remembering her and he had that horse, and he had that post on Facebook, and he was there. And, and you know, the, the place was packed. And so as, as they're worshiping, as, and everybody's on their feet, everybody's worshiping. I mean, it was, it was worship. And Heather pointed out to me, we look down front where they are, and Joey has his hands lifted, praising the Lord with the horse in his hand. Let me tell you at least one thing that was born out of that tragedy. Tragedy on this side. Celebration on that side. I don't know that I've ever witnessed more pure worship than that. I saw the same thing when Skylar Powell lost his life and his family. We, we did the funeral and his family. We worshiped that Sunday and I watched his daddy. Scholar was an 18-year-old young man, lost his life in a car. 17? Right near his end of his high school career. Anyway, he was an older young man. And I witnessed his dad that day, that Sunday morning, we were worshiping, and the band was playing, hands up, worshiping. Why do I even bring this up? The place that the Lord led me, I was already there, and then this, this news happened. 
Sometimes we can't understand why things happen the way that they happen. But when true faith rams up into a devastating reality, true worship is the result of that encounter. And it cannot be any more pure than that. Why do you say that, Pastor? It cannot be any more pure than that because everything, at least from your perspective, everything that you hold near and dear to your life that is physical and earthly and right here, right now, has been ripped out of your grip and there is nothing that sustains your worship except God Himself. Why do we have trials and struggles in our life? Why do we have hard times? Have we ever thought... Have we ever thought that it was because God wants you focused on Him? And I'm not even given not one excuse for why that happened. I have no clue. But I do know one thing that was born out of it. The purest worship that I've ever witnessed. The text that we're looking at this morning is of a similar type situation. A life that is lost, snuffed out. Seemingly, a life that is ended early because, because of, of reasons that we can't understand. And some of you, it's not, it's not a life physically lost, but it's a loved one who's going down a path that you know is only going to lead to destruction, which, which almost is sometimes worse because you, you're trying to, to, to tell them, you're trying to reach out to them, you're trying to plead with them, but they knowingly go the wrong direction, and you can't, it's like, a, it's like watching a train track, it's a, a, an accident on a train track, knowing it's, it's going to go bad, it's going to go bad, and you can't do anything about it. Well, what I want to preach today comes out of Acts chapter, chapter 6 and 7. And if I had to entitle the message today, if I had to give it a title, and you know me, I don't, I, we just kind of open the Bible and talk, but I would say life as a believer. Life as a believer. We've witnessed, we've walked through Acts a fair amount now. We've walked through the end of John and many of the things that Christ said. And he told Peter, follow me. And Peter's like, I will to the very end. And Jesus is like, no, you won't. Not yet. You will, but not yet. You need power to be able to follow me. You know, that's, what, that's the only thing I could tell Joey. I know what to tell him. What do you, I don't, what are you, what do you say? I don't know what does. I have no idea. Everybody's like, you're the preacher. I have no idea. So I say, God will hold you together. God will hold you together. God will hold you together. I sent him a text message yesterday. Praying the same prayer that Paul prayed for his readers in, in the book of Ephesians. Simply, Father, strengthen Joey, strengthen Aaron with the power of the Holy Spirit in their inner being that they might, that they might know Christ. You see, we, need, we, we think we need a solution. 
We think that we need to, to fix everything, but what we need to do is fall into the arms of Jesus Christ. What we need to do is lean on the gospel and the power of the word of God to take a horrible situation and make it something that is undeniably touched and blessed and anointed by God for the transformation of the world and the building of the kingdom. You see, I know that we can't even grasp the concept of Eliza Kate right now singing and dancing and smiling and twirling around with King. Jesus because we we touch this and it's hard for us hard for me you know what one other thing before I jump into this one other thing that that's done that little girl's beautiful life and this terrible tragedy has done one more thing at least one more tons more but at least one more it's made me look at my children different and I pray that that's not a fleeting thing that just, you know, oh, wow, I need to appreciate my children more. But I hope it just sets in like a nail driven, driven into a, a hard piece of oak wood that can't come out. I pray that I would be slow to anger. And it's, it's, it's made me think about a few things. It's made me think about my wife. It's made me think about, and then on top of that, you know, God, you know, he's got a sense of humor, I think. Heather calls me this morning. I'm in there finishing touches on my sermon, you know, looking over it. And I get a phone call from Heather. She's like, come on right now. Come on right now. And I'm like, oh, God, somebody's dying. So I get in the minivan. And some of you didn't know a minivan could squeal tires until you heard it going all the way out of the parking lot. I get home, and it was. I mean, the mirror, a huge mirror this tall had fallen over, hit Ella Ray in the top of the head, knocked her down, cut her hand. She's bleeding, and Heather's sitting there rocking her, just crying, can't talk. And I'm like, Heather, look, I love you. Next time you call me like that, you better at least say everybody's breathing. <laughs> because I about had a heart attack on the way up here. Grab your children, hug them tight, love them. Grab your parents, hug them, love them, squeeze them, let them know. Be slow to anger, quick to forgive, quick to to just overlook, you know, don't don't overlook sin, but 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 discipline with love and you know that's free, no extra charge. We've got to be, we gotta slow down. We gotta slow down. But in the face of crazy tragedy and trials and tribulation, I wanna look I wanna look at a little incident that happened not little. I want to look at an incident that happened in Acts. Now this is coming right off of the tail of of the Holy Spirit being poured out, the Holy Spirit being poured out onto believers like Jesus Christ prophesied that it would do, that it that would be done, that the Holy Spirit was poured into the believers in a way that it had never been done before. The Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament. He did get it done in the Old Testament, but this was a new transition, a new way that the Holy Spirit, that God Almighty would come and dwell in the midst of his people in his people, that the people of God would become the temple of God and that he would dwell in them, in their midst. And so the Holy Spirit came, he had dwelt the believers, and it empowered them to do things that they had never done before. And they preached with boldness, and they preached with power, and they put forth the gospel, and it was transforming lives. I think I counted... Uh, between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 5, 
four or five clear presentations of the gospel, presentations of the gospel, where the resurrect, the life, death, burial, resurrection uh, of Christ was proclaimed, the ascension, where Christ was seated at the right hand of the Father. He preached sin, and people were transformed left and right. Thousands, thousands of previous unbelievers, Pharisees, the religious wingnuts, would cry out things like, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And there was conversion after conversion after conversion. And people were coming to Christ by the droves. So is this the definition of success? So is this the definition? So you look at that and you're going, yes. If we do what we're supposed to do, people are just going to fall in line. Everybody gets healed. Everybody has everything that they need. Remember Acts chapter 2? Everybody sold everything that they had, and nobody had need because they were, they were so tightly knit together. People were getting transformed. And, and, and that's, the, that's a successful New Testament church. That's a successful ministry. Everybody's getting radically changed. And then we get to Acts chapter 6. And we have a little bit different story. You see, it's easy to worship God when everything's going your way. It's easy to worship God when everything's falling in place. You know, take my life as a pastor. You know, I, I have a certain idea of what church should be like and what church success, uh, it, how it's defined. And if you've got a certain number of people, if, you're, if your band's doing a certain level of, of performance, or if the parking lot is this certain level of being filled, or if your leaders are doing this, and if they're following this, and and blah, 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 blah. And all that stuff's great. That's fine. I'm not saying it's bad. But when we gauge success by fleshly means, we are always in trouble. But it's very tempting. It's very tempting. And you can, you can twist the scriptures and make a biblical argument for it. That when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you'll be rich. Your buildings will be filled to the wall. Your car never breaks down, and your wife never nags, which I've got that one down, so. Right, babe? All right. Then we hit Acts chapter 6. Let me just read a little bit here, and, and I'll set this up this way, is that, man, these boys are on fire. If you remember, at the end of the book of John, they were locked in the upper room. And they had no power, no courage, no nothing. They were locked in the upper room for fear of the Jews. The same Jews that had murdered and crucified Christ Jesus. And they were afraid because they might do the same thing to us. And how many of us are locked in our own little upper rooms, whatever that might be, because we're afraid of what people might think or do or say or whatever. And we need what the, what the disciples, what the apostles got. We need what the believers got. And that is to be an influx of the Holy Spirit that would bring the Word of God right on our hearts and give us a fire. You see, that's what John was saying when he says, listen, I'm baptizing you with water, but there's one coming after me who baptizes with the Spirit of God. Fire! How many of us live with fire? How many of us live on fire? Men and women on fire for God that can't be contained. Well, we see the, the apostles be lit up with, with this flame, and people started to be drawn to that, and people were starting to be transformed by that. But then we get to Acts chapter 6, and listen to what, what's, what's going on here. We actually start with an issue, a problem. 
had arisen. Five chapters in this, this transitional period where the Holy Spirit was indwelling believers and they had all things in common and it was going, woo, man, going good like a well-oiled machine right along. And then people get in the way. Chapter 6, now in these days when, uh, now, well, let me back up to Acts 5.41 just to show you that this is coming right off of some, woohoo, some great ministry Acts 5.41 says, Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They are, it's going down. It's going phenomenally. They were receiving some persecution from the authorities around, but God was protecting them. They were going house to house. They were going to the synagogues, the temple. They were preaching Jesus Christ. Everything was going phenomenal. And then we get to this place. Now, in these days, uh, Acts 6, verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit. Now, we have the same issue today. You know, don't let me step on any toes, but I really need to be focusing on prayer and the Word of God. The other leaders in the church really need to be focusing on prayer and the Word of God. And we need the people of God that are filled with the Holy Spirit as well, that have different gifts, to come along beside and and help us do the ministry of, of, of the work of the ministry that we might meet the needs of the people that have the needs, that have legitimate needs that we need to meet. But there's so few people that will step up and say, I will do whatever you need me to do, that it is inevitable. Go to any church around here. It is inevitable that the pastors in those churches are going to be doing ministries that they should not be doing. Not because it's not good ministry, but because they have other things that need their attention that get neglected because they have to do works that others should be doing. And many of you in here work yourself to the bone. And I praise God for you. So I'm not speaking to everybody, but you know if I'm talking to you or not. You know. We've got, it's it's no different here than the other churches. we got 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. I'm just waiting on somebody to stay, to say, "Here, here am I, use me. Another sermon for another day. But you see, there's an issue that arises here, and all of a sudden, it's not perfect anymore. And the apostles saying, look, you need to pick out from among yourself some men who are full of the Holy Spirit that can get this done. Why do they need to be full of the Holy Spirit, Mark? Because without God, we cannot do anything. That's right. He said power, that's what we need. We need power in order to do what God has called us to do, because in and of ourselves, we don't have the ability. Because we're too prideful, arrogant, we don't want to get our hands dirty. I'm not doing that. So we need people full of the Holy Spirit. And you know, this, what did the apostles say? They said, we, need to, we cannot be 
burdened down, tied down. We cannot be overwhelmed with what type of ministry. The literal rendition is waiting tables. Waiting tables. So what's the solution? Find from among yourself men who are full of the Holy Spirit. You see, the bottom line is, is that most of you think that I'm the only one in the building or the leaders are the only one in the building or the worship leader is the only one in the building that needs to be full of the Holy Spirit because what they do is holy. But what this is telling us is, is that the lowliest of what you think is low ministry, it still needs the fullness of the Holy Spirit to be done in the Spirit of God. And in those ministries is where the real work gets done. You see, I heard a guy describe it like this and, and explain it like this. What I do is like air, air war. It's like air war. See, I come in, I can't, in here, in this setting, I wish I could, but I can't. Go up to Rich, I can't go to Dick and say, hey, look, how are you doing in this area of your life? And we try to have conversation from time to time, but I'm so spread out. I can't come to Mike and say, hey, look, Mike, how are you, how are you treating your wife? How are you doing in the daily ministry that God has called you to? I can't come to each. So, see, I'm like dropping bombs. So, like, I'm flying overhead going, you know, dropping a bomb. Hope I can hit as many people as I can. But it takes you, the ground warriors, it takes you, the infantry, to get into the nooks and crannies that, that, that me or Robert or Mark or, or Hambone, whoever's preaching the Word of God, it takes you to get in the nooks and the crannies and to get down and dirty and do life with people and call people out on the sin that they have in love. It takes you, it takes me and you to do this thing together in order to reach everybody with the God. We have to work together. Well, I'm getting caught up. That was none of that was the part of the plan. But my point is, is that we all need to be in pursuit of the Holy Spirit, which brings me to my first point. I've got points today. Christ must be the beginning. And the reason I say that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit is what does the Holy Spirit do? He glorifies Christ in everything that he does. And the Holy Spirit applies the work of Christ to your life to bring you in to relationship with Jesus Christ in order that you might be conformed to the image of Christ. So all believers must have the Holy Spirit living inside of them to transform them and lead them to the place of being Jesus Christ to a broken world. We must start with Jesus and we can start nowhere else. We must start with Christ. So here we, have, here we have Stephen, a man full of faith and a man full of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They set, before them, they set them before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So here's a situation. There's a problem that sprung up. They're trying to deal with this problem, and the way that they deal with this problem is seeking out men of God uh, who are full of the Holy Spirit, who are full of faith, so they're planted and rested in Jesus Christ. They have faith in Christ. They've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. They're led by the Holy Spirit to be like Christ so they can minister to the needs of the people, okay? So this is a, this is a huge ministry. This is a huge ministry. Now, 
What we see next is, is absolutely stunning and amazing to me, but it should be motivating to you to get outside of your comfort zone and to stop thinking that that preaching stuff, that that evangelizing stuff, that that gospel proclamation stuff is the work of somebody who can talk better than me, who is up front. I'm not up front. I'm in the back. I don't like to be up front. I don't like to be out front. I don't like to be hurt. Well, get over yourself. Get over what you like. I don't care. Nobody else does either. God don't care what he's calling you to is to proclaim the gospel everywhere you go amen amen and it ain't about you it ain't about what you like you think I'm comfortable all the time I'm not comfortable all the time here I'm fairly comfortable because I like to scream and yell but sometimes sometimes when I'm in a store or I'm in a restaurant and I know that I'm going to embarrass somebody that's around me I didn't mean to point at you directly baby but when, when, you know, her daddy embarrassed the hound out of her, you know, he's like that, you got Jesus in your heart? And, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to learn from that, but sometimes when I'm in a store or whatever, and I've shared this with you guys before, it's not always easy for me. I can feel the Holy Spirit prompting me, leading me, calling me, share the gospel with that person. To ask that person how they're doing in their life. Jeremy knows what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody, somebody say, God, don't speak today. Then why do you keep talking to him? And, 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 and God's saying, look, I want you to go over, and I want, you to, I want you to ask that man over there. I want you to go over there and ask that woman, how can I bless you, how can I bless you today? We think we got to be able to preach like, like, like John Piper or, or, or somebody in, in order to share Jesus. No, we don't. No, he don't. His strength is perfected in our weakness. So the stupider you sound, the better he looks. Amen. You say, I don't know how to do that. Praise the Lord. Hey, hey, you, you, you step ahead of everybody else. The man that thinks that he's got it all together is the farthest away. It's got to be based on his strength. Again, go back to, it's got to be the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a man, Stephen, right here, who was, who was called by his leaders and by God to do uh, the, the lowliest seemingly of ministries, which was to wait tables and to deal with the orphans and the widows. That's what he was called to do. But what do we see him doing next? Preaching the gospel. And I won't even get into the fact that he had to know the Word of God. And obviously he does know the Word of God because he starts throwing down on the Old Testament. So you better get into your Bible, but I'll scream about that later. But what we see here is that we see uh, uh, Stephen who was called to do a, a work in the ministry that I think probably seemed lowly. It seemed second class. It seemed that way, okay? But in Christ's kingdom, in the upside-down kingdom, Jesus already told us that he who seeks to save his life will lose it, and he who loses his life on my sake, for my sake, will gain it. And he also said, the one who desires to be greatest among you must what? Be the least. The one who desires to lead must serve. And we saw when he was ready to serve, God immediately threw him into leadership. So if you don't want to lead, tough. But watch what happens. This is really cool. <clears throat> as, soon as, as soon as he submitted himself and he was called and they laid, and the laying on of hands is an acknowledgement of what God has done. That's why we do that here. That's why the scripture does that. When, when the apostles lay on their hands, they are acknowledging that, yes, God is doing this thing. They, they're acknowledging and agreeing with God and the Holy Spirit that, that these people are called for this action or for this thing. 
And so they lay their hands on them, and it says the word of God, uh, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to, to the faith. Now, what we see there is, and I've got to move on. I've got some other stuff I was wanting to say, but what we see there is, is that when you, the people, okay, let's see, the ones, because we're all here, how blessed is it when brothers dwell in unity. So please, as I'm speaking, know that what I mean, because I'll say things like, you guys, okay, and it seems like I'm distinguishing between me and you, but all I am doing, please hear me, all I'm doing is distinguishing between gifts that we may have. The unity is far more than the discontinuity or the or the the differences. You see, the unity lasts and rests in the faith in Christ Jesus that brings the Holy Spirit. So therefore there is one Lord, one spirit, one baptism. We are called to one work. But there are differences among the body in how we are called to go about doing that work. So whereas I may be called to be a pastor, a teacher, uh, these types of things, you have a call as well. And in order to do the work of God like it should be done, I'll need to obey my call and you'll need to obey yours. Now, if I don't obey my call and I don't take my call serious, then it really hurts and puts a hiccup in your call. Why? Because I'm a pastor and a teacher of God's word. It is my job to equip you for the work of the ministry. Amen? Now, if I don't take my job serious and I don't study the word of God and I don't study the context and I don't study and, 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 and show myself a workman approved to rightly divide the word of God, then you're getting the wrong information. You're being led to the wrong place and you're going to do your work wrong right okay now I'm not the only one that's held accountable here because if you don't do what you are supposed to do and take your call serious then it puts a hiccup in my plans and I have to stop what I'm doing and I have to take time away from my studies and my prayer seeking God and seeking what he has for me in order to do your job now, I don't normally ask you to do my job, so please stop asking me to do yours. You've got to do what God's called you to do. And you say, why are you preaching like this this morning? It's because I want us to grow. And not just this church. Don't hear that. I want us as believers to grow. I want the community to grow. I want people to be reached with the gospel. I want them to be drawn in. I want to stop drug dealers by watching them be transformed by the gospel. I want to watch sex trafficking come to a screeching halt in our area. And if you don't think it happens, you're crazy. I want to see prostitution stop in our area. Why? Because the love of God has reached out to them and it said, look, I know where you are. I know where you're struggling. I know where, I know you feel like there's no hope, but there there is hope because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And he died and he resurrected from the grave. And because he resurrected from the grave, he can overcome what you have in your life too. You see, he's the author of salvation. He's the one that overcame death. He's the one that went down in order to bring you up. And he is the, cap he is the captain that set the captives free. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's okay. Clap for God. Now, this ain't nothing what I was supposed to be preaching. 
But, 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 let's keep going here. We got, we broke it up into eight sermons. So, okay, so here's the deal, though. Now, that sounds great. Like, that's motivation. Like, let's go conquer the world. But getting back to my, where I started. Some things, sometimes things happen. When you're obedient to God, especially. If you're like a, a comfort Christian, and I just made that up. And that means you're only a Christian when it's comfortable. Man, it's, I got bad news for you. I don't know how much longer you can take being a Christian. And if you're a Christian today and not a Christian tomorrow, then you're probably never a Christian to begin with. So we really need to check ourselves, but that's not why I'm saying this. Okay, that's another sermon for another day, another time. Oftentimes when you're the most obedient, you're the most persecuted. Why? Well, there's all kind of answers that we could give, and that's, again, another sermon for another day. But I think one reason is, is that Satan hates the progress of the gospel. Can't stand it. You say, why these health, wealth, and prosperity preachers have it so easy? They do They do actually have jets. Go listen to Kenneth uh, Copeland's explanation for his jet. It's laughable. It's ridiculous. It's heretical. You say, you going to call out another guy like that? Yeah, Paul does that, so I feel comfortable with it. Go listen to it. You say, why do they, why they get away with that? Satan ain't worried about them. Satan ain't worried about those guys. Why would he be? They're doing good work. But when you go preaching the word of God, when you go, when you go preaching Jesus Christ is the only way, and when you come to him, it might cost you everything. No, 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 no. No. It's not that it, now you listen to me and you listen to me good. You cannot come back next Sunday. That's okay. With, well, it's not okay with me. I hope you do come back. But if it, if it means that for me to say this, I'll say it. It's worth a trade. In order to know Christ, it will cost you everything. You must die to self. It will cost you everything. And let me say it this way. Everything that you seek to hold on to, once you've come to Christ, will be identified as an idol. And Christ will not share his throne. So be very careful what you put in front of Christ, lest it be torn down like the Old Testament idol called Dagon. And I just wonder if the worshipers of Dagon, when they got his head chopped off by the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, I wonder if they came in and said, Dagon. <laughs> That's free, no extra charge. <laughs> uh, that just occurred to me. Too, I know. We cannot have, we cannot have, we cannot have anything in front of Christ. We can't. 
And so when you put Christ first and you're filled with faith and filled with the Holy Ghost, there's going to be persecution. And that's what happens to Stephen. Listen, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Now, this is a man who was called to go and wait tables, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. So when he went to do what he was called to do, man, he started doing wonderful works, wonderful signs, wonders and signs. And the people looked at him and was like, Wow, not because of him, but because of the Holy Spirit that was working and operating in and through him, magnifying Christ and bringing honor and glory to Christ's name. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and therefore, when he operated inside of his calling, whatever that might have been, it was an amazing glorification of Christ Jesus. And please, just let me ask you, let me ask me, it's on my mind, are you glorifying Christ with your life? Every, every minute of your life, or do you have uh, two identities? You come in here on Sunday, and you do whatever you do, and you go back out in the world, and, and you, you do what you do there, and you come in here, and you're, you're like bipolar, you're a schizophrenic, you know, you, you're... You don't know which side of your mouth to talk out of, right? And you're doing nothing for King Jesus. But here we see that, that Stephen, and, and, and this is, I was wanting to go here, but God just wanted to do this, I guess. That's fine. We'll talk about this next week. But what I really love and what I can't wait to get to next week now, I guess, is that I love the fact that Stephen, Stephen, he's going to be falsely accused, attacked, okay? And the way that he answers them is to go back to the Old Testament, start teaching the Old Testament. He teaches about Abraham. He teaches about Moses. What I want to focus in and hone in on, and you can read ahead next week. Go ahead and read Acts 6, Acts 7, uh, Exodus. Well, Exodus. And, and <laughs> some of you got that. No, read Exodus chapter 33, Exodus chapter 32, Exodus chapter 35. Just read Exodus 30 through 35. And it's not that much. Go read it. Because what Stephen's going to do is he's going to point to Moses. And what's going to happen is, is that what Stephen is doing is exactly what Moses did. And what Moses did was exactly what Christ was going to do. Amen? So what this tells us is, remember number one was, is that Christ must be the beginning. You cannot start without starting from Christ Jesus. So you have to have Christ at the foundation or you can go nowhere. But not only is Christ the foundation and the filling of the Holy Spirit that brings Christ inside of you and puts him on the throne of your heart. And brings to understanding and light just who he is. And it starts to conform you to Christ. But also Christ compels us. So Christ is beginning and Christ is the middle. Christ is the middle. Christ is the motivation. Christ is the movement. So if you started in Christ but you're not moving in Christ, I don't know if you ever started in Christ. But if you want to get things done, let me tell you. Let me tell you that you must be in Christ, moving in Christ, being led by the Holy Spirit. But that is going to bring to your life persecution and struggle and, 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 and just <sighs> devastation on this side. Which brings us back to this whole thing about Eliza Cade and how this has got me to thinking. And I'm reading this and I'm going, wow, wow. You know, this seems like... Devastation. It seems like it seems like the enemy wins, right? If if I was him, I'd be like, 
the enemy's won. It seems like the enemy's won. This didn't go according to plan, God. This didn't go according to plan. Wouldn't you be screaming that and so much more? It seems as if this is not going to, 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 to plan. What are we going to do, God? Why? He was doing wonders and signs. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue, here it is. Now remember that Peter and the other apostles were preaching Christ, and they came to them and said, look, you stop preaching in this name. And Peter's like, I listen to God, not man. Threw him in jail. They got out, went along preaching. People's getting saved by the thousands. And here's Stephen. Full of the Holy Spirit, doing great wonders and signs. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Man, that's good. Listen to me, people of God. Listen to me. You may not understand it. You may not have a doctorate in theology. I don't either. You may think that you talk like a babbling idiot. And you may. It may be like speaking in tongues. But if you're full of the Holy Spirit, if you're speaking for God, if you're full of faith, God will interpret all it takes is a word. All it takes is obedience. All it takes is one who is filled with the Holy Spirit and ready to be laid bare before the Lord God Almighty. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, not because I'm wise, but because I just, I read it in here. I'm telling you the secret to transform our world. I'm telling you the secret to, to watching our children become men, become men and women of God. Listen, I don't know what else to say. I, I mean, we could, we could turn them over to the world. We could stand back and we could just watch them go down the tube. We could just watch them be eaten up. We could just watch them. Or we could live for the kingdom of God. We could live filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And even in our mistakes, watch life happen. Listen. You see, they couldn't withstand the wisdom and the spirit by which he was speaking. Now, we see the gospel preached four or five times up to this point. Res it started Old Testament, Christ, you crucified him, he resurrected, he overcame death, and he's king. And they believed it, they received it, and they were transformed. But here, Stephen is on his way to the gospel. But he never got there. He never got to the gospel. Listen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Now it's funny that they speak about Moses. And I wish I had a whole other hour to, to, to teach that. But I'll have to wait till next week. Please come back next week because you're going to really... I think you'll really benefit from it. It was amazing when God showed it to me. But they, that was the lie. 
That was the lie. That they, they instigated people and said that he was blaspheming Moses and God, meaning that he was contradicting what the Old Testament wrote about Moses, that he was saying Moses was a liar, that he was saying Moses, I mean, that God was a liar, that he was denying uh, what Moses taught and what God taught. And it says, they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. I just don't have time to go any further, but I'm going to say this. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm just going to leave it teetering right there on the edge. Some of you know the story, but I want you to come back next week to hear the rest of the story in a way maybe that you've never thought about it before. I'll almost guarantee you, unless you've done really in-depth Bible study, that you've never thought about it before. But I, I do want to leave you with this. Remember that Christ is the beginning. It wasn't it wasn't just any reason that they picked Stephen to be and the others to be ministers of God. It was because they were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, which meant that they were Christ indwelt and motivated and empowered to be Christ to those who were hurting and in need. I also said that we see that it must be the Holy Spirit that carries us along. It must be the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be conformed to the image of Christ that allows us to continually be Christ to a dark and dying world. Listen to me. Many of you may be saying, Brandon, you're telling me that I need to be Christ to a lost and dying world, but brother, I need Christ. And that might be where you are this morning. And so I stand here offering you the hope that you've probably heard of before. But just kind of put it to the side. But maybe, just maybe at this point in your life, you're at a place low enough that you'll finally realize that there is no hope outside of Christ Jesus. You see, why can I say that? I can say that with boldness and power and authority in a factual way because there is no one else who has ever died and resurrected from the grave by the Spirit of God like Christ Jesus. All the others had to be raised by Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus. You see, your problems aren't they aren't anything for God to overcome. He's defeated the grave. So not only do we start in Christ and we're moved along by Christ, but our end must be Christ too. Our end must be Christ too. And I'm not saying that the end, meaning that when you die, you'll be with Christ. We know that that's the truth. We know that that's the truth. But what I mean 
is that your end goal must be Christ. He is your final destination. He is your resting place. He is your meaning. He is your hope. He is your dwelling place. Let me, let me say this, and, and we're going to draw it to a close. You see, Eliza Kay, she had the right aiming point. She had the right goal. And through her life, you can't tell me that Christ wasn't exalted. Through her death, through her passing, you can't tell me Christ wasn't exalted. I was there. I'm here. I see her story as an inspiration to this gospel proclamation right now. I will will even ask this. Will your life have as much impact as that 10-year-old little girl? Let us look to her as an example because she lived her life for Christ. It wasn't hidden. I don't I didn't know her as well as I might like to know, but I've heard the testimonies. And in that tragedy is born lots of talk about Christ and the power of God for resurrection. And Christ has been glorified and will continue to be glorified. He must be your end point. What do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your time doing? What is your focus on? What is your end goal? Do you speak with your children all the time about Christ Jesus? Do you speak to your co-workers all the time about Christ Jesus? Do you spend your time talking to Christ Jesus? Do you spend your time being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, being overwhelmed with the power of the Holy Spirit, that when that time comes, you might be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that you might know exactly what He would have you to say in that time of desperation, in that time of need, in that time of victory? Do you give glory and credit where credit is due? Do you glorify the Son? Do you glorify King Jesus? When times get hard, do you go to the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that we can enter in with boldness because of Christ Jesus? You see, it's all about Christ Jesus. The beginning, the middle, and the end. It's all about Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you right now, if your life's going anywhere other than Christ Jesus, you're on a dead-end road that ends with peril and despair. But if Christ, but if Christ is your beginning, your middle, and your end, then you have hope beyond all measure. There's nothing in this life, there's nothing formed against you that will that will overcome you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Nothing can come against you. They may come against the body. They may come against the wealth. They may come against this and they may come against that. But Christ Jesus is your hiding place. And I want to tell you now that He is, He is the hope of recovery for you in this life. So that'll be the last thing that I say. Christ Jesus is not just for out there. Christ Jesus is for right now. And the gospel that I proclaim right now, the resurrection, is not just resurrection from the dead at the moment that you die somewhere out there, but it's the resurrection from the dead that you're experiencing right now if you're not a part of Christ. Because we all, apart from Christ, are nothing but dead men walking. Nothing but dead women walking. Christ awakens us to life. And Christ quickens us to life. And the Holy Spirit puts power in us right now to live right now. We don't have to wait to one day live. We don't have to wait to one day rise up and be who God's called us to be. We don't have to wait for the resurrection of the dead to be resurrected to life. Because Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. And on that, 
I want to call you to come to King Jesus even now. You can come where you are. You can come up there. You can come here. But please, God, let's move. Let's move. Our world, our community, our state, our nation is in, is in awful peril waiting on you to come to Christ in a way that you've never come before. And please don't hear me saying to pray a prayer and wait on the day to come. No, I'm not. I'm telling you to be transformed by King Jesus today. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and get off your tail and move for King Jesus. Open your mouth and proclaim Christ Jesus crucified resurrected and ascended on high and tell them all, tell them all tell your heart and tell them all that King Jesus raised from the dead for you and if Christ Jesus be, be in you, if he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead be in you then he'll also give life to your mortal bodies Amen? Amen, he'll give life to you today, you just come and get it you just go and get it so as the lights come down and we do this last song, there's an invitation here I want you to move if you're already a believer, get on your face. Where you are, where you stand, whatever, just get on your face and you pray for the unbelievers in the room. But wherever you are, you pray that King Jesus will be exalted in your life and then let's get busy in this community. Please, let's get busy in our families. Love like you've never loved before. Never cease to proclaim the goodness and grace and mercy and hope that is found in King Jesus. And you'll be willing to pour your life out even unto death too. And you'll be like, G like Stephen and like Moses. Well, when you get into the presence of the Lord, when you just, when you meditate on King Jesus and the Holy Spirit moves in and through you and jumps on you, when you get out into this world, your face will be shining like the face of an angel, just like Moses, just like Jesus. And you won't have to tell them, say, let me tell you about Jesus. They'll come to you and say, please tell me what the heck's going on with you. That's where I want you to be. Don't you see where I want you to be? Don't you see where I want you to be? Don't you see where Christ wants you to be? I don't want you to just make it. Golly, I'm not saying that. I don't want you to just make it. I don't want you to just be okay. I don't want you to survive. I want you to thrive. I want you to be so filled up with the power and glory of God that even in the stormiest weather, you'll shine like the sun is full on your face. Because He is. Amen. Come to King Jesus. Let's worship. Come today. Come today.